Hello and welcome to the Left Wingers podcast. I'm Ross. I'm Rhonda. And I'm Kathleen. And I'm George. George? Who's George? (laughs) George, welcome to the podcast. We know that you're an avid listener, but why don't you introduce yourself to the Left Wingers? Tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, My name is George. I'm a PhD student and uh, I also do a few TikToks as well. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I love that that's on the repertoire. It's like, this is... This is my identity, this is who I am. It's, co- it's a comprehensive. Yeah, it's comprehensive. Can't go wrong with TikTok. Fair enough, how are you finding conference? Yeah, it's alright. You know, living off a diet of fish and chips and vodka can only be good for a few days, but try not to see them in the long term. It's been good, it's been good. And has, has been the world transformed too. It's been really good to catch up with so many people, you know. And it's good to be here on Left Winges, you know. Tell us a bit about it. The world transformed. None. We've not been. Um, so no. tell us about it. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really lovely. So they had the uh, the pub quiz yesterday with Zara Sultana and people were chanting, "Oh, Zara Sultana!" Uh, you've had other discussions, such as discussions of whether or not Keir Starmer should go, and many, many, many other big things. But I think it's like quite good to have alongside Labour conference because. There's always something to do. Like a Labour conference, there'll be certain events at certain times, and then you might be doing nothing for ages. Then you can just go back and forth between TWT and conference, and you can always find something to do. And for those who don't know, the World Transformed is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, George, it's a political edu- it's a group focused on political education, but left-wing political education mm-hmm. through uh, community, kind of community organising and community knowledge sharing. That's right, yeah. But, but they have some parties and socials and, you know... You know, normal things as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really good. Like, every year they do a pub quiz, and Ed Miliband was doing it the last few years, Zara Sultani yesterday. Yeah, no, their, their events are really, really good. Come next year, definitely. I will, yeah, I should have got a ticket this year. I don't, I don't know why I didn't. I think I'm right in saying they actually build their own event, don't they? They actually build their own, uh, physically, their physical infrastructure. They build it when they, like, they get down six weeks before and build their own thing every year don't they yeah they've got a big sign which is socialism there and loads of people have been getting pictures beside it yeah it's really good they're really creative and uh, yeah some of the best of our movement it does look like a circus like no, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah, a oh. <laughs> it's the first fractional <laughs> shot that's alright guys we're two and a half minutes in well done everyone to get into it we go. it's like a whole I, 120 seconds as you walk past it like you can just see all like lights and like yeah. fairy lights everywhere and tents and that's stuff that's nice it looks cute though. It's, it's nice better though. than From the secure zone outside conference where it's just a bunch of like burly men sitting around checking people's passes. Yeah. 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 Rory Stewart did one of his big um, uh, campaign events in a circus tent. <laughs> do, you not, do you not remember that? Who? Uh, Rory Stewart. Stewart. <laughs> That's politics. That was a good one. That was good. Uh, back in the day actually Rory Stewart did a did a campaign where it was like um, to become mayor of London and it was I'm London residents who kind of are registered voters um, I'll come and uh, I will come and sleep in your house with you and we can have an evening where we talk about things. So I obviously did the right thing and registered 10 different addresses, all of which where <laughs> I live. Because <laughs> I really... And I, I what I did then was print out his entire voting record, including, like... Because he had a very modern, like... He very much was somebody who was on the right, tried to very much move into the centre and try and be, like, a kind of a bit of a populist. 
Um, so I had, luckily I printed his entire voting record since he got into Parliament. Some of which very dodgy, like coalition, some of which very dodgy votes, like to cut benefits and like, you know, child maintenance allowance and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it, Rory, he never called. Sad times. I'm so gutted. Sad. And he dropped oh, out as well. And I was, I, was, I, I for one, was gutted because the viral content the left wingers would have produced would have been... I think... Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> I think you were the only one. <laughs> oh, I was, oh, I was gutted. Like, I really wanted to talk about all the strange things. Oh, I just... Missed, <laughs> missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. So I noticed that your name's Kathleen today. You, was it a quiet one last night? Yeah, it was. Yeah, really oh, quiet. Really yeah, quiet. absolutely. That's I, a good moment. <laughs> I was like, am I missing something? Yeah, I get it. Okay. It was, yeah, it was super, yeah, it was really, really quiet. Um, what were you, George? What did you go up to? <laughs> well, I, I, went, <laughs> I went to the um, I went to the CWU event, which was really good. But just before that, I was at Labourless Karaoke, and of course, in the spirit of Labour unity, you've got to whip out the Seven Nation Army. But unfortunately, <laughs> they weren't very keen on chanting "Oh, Jeremy Corbyn," an event with uh, a lot of people on the Labour right. Who would have thought it? But it was really nice, and it was lovely to see a lot of people there. And uh, some great singing from some oh, many okay. comments, uh, <laughs> Not from me, that's, blimey. Mm. That's very generous. <laughs> yeah, some great straight, singing. So. No, if it was Bohemian Rhapsody, no. I would really show my vocals. You know what, there's, there's a lot of passion there, and that's what it's all about. It's about the, the performance, <laughs> not the, uh, not the uh, quality of singing. And uh, there's some great performances. Okay, so but here's, here's a question. So, Blair had a... Dream and things going to get better. Corbyn had uh, a Seven Nation Army. What's Starmer's song going to be? Or is he not been around long enough to have a song? Mm-hmm. The Invisible Man. Um, oh. oh, who's that by? Queen. Uh, <laughs> that was quite good. I yeah, thought, right. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Any, any, uh, any, George, what do you think? Um, I'm uh, your man. Uh, <laughs> by, uh, uh, by... I, I best not wade in on that. What about? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Actually struggling here. It's like it's what, what does song. he stand for? What what fits? Stand by your man. No. Um, I'm still mm. standing somehow. <laughs> if he's around this time next year, I think that's a fair. If he yeah. if he, if he headlines next year's Labour Party standing. conference, I think I'm still standing could be an anthem. I'm actually so good that we didn't get to do our karaoke bit. Like the list was like full. Yeah. Like I stayed there for longer than I wanted to stay there. Um, because I was waiting for the reserve list to come on, but no. Okay, but I think we put our name in at maybe late. ten. No, so I I done karaoke. I put my name in a bit. You did, yes, yes, you did. I did. I was, mm. I Were you good? Was it good? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Ah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think you shoved the mic in my mouth. <laughs> <because> <laughs> I stood right at the front, and he was like da 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 da, and then he shoved the mic in my mouth. I was like, oh gosh, I didn't need my teeth. Was anyway. that you? Brilliant. Was that you doing the proclaimers? That was me. Ah, okay. <laughs> you know, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're yeah. No, that's what I was saying. So we put our, our names in at like 10 to do the proclaimers and we didn't actually get called up to about half one in the morning. It was, yeah. So crazy. it was very busy. And I thought by the time like I left, my voice had gone anyway. So I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I I, if they called me, I might just like slink away somewhere else because it's just not... Would have sung in like two octaves lower than where my current voice (laughs) sits at, which I guess actually might have been okay. Shall we talk about the actual conference now? (laughs) (laughs) How long have we spent on that? Well, I guess if this is, is, you know, why we're actually supposed to be here. Kiss speeches tomorrow. We've we've briefly mentioned it in our Mm. past couple of uh, episodes whilst it's been at conference, but what what are we expecting from 
Keir Spaich? Do we think it'll be the kind of landmark moment of his leadership where he gets to define his policies, define who he is, be less of an invisible man and like set out what Labour's vision for the future is? Or do we think it's kind of going to be uh, another disappointment? I mean, obviously, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know. But um, we can use these past events to kind of gauge. Yeah, I think what the, the party seems to be trying to do is a, is a sort of gear shift in term a one. Gear shift. A gear shift. There we go. <laughs> There you go, that's the episode title. That's <laughs> 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 not. So what, what I was saying is that they're trying to have a, a, a gear shift into a more, what I would perceive to be a, a sort of Blair machine of like, you, you saw um, tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime come back. Rachel Reeves' speech did mention like, you know, boosting funding for the police force quite a lot. It's different stuff like that. I think it's a more mainstream message that we're trying to put across which has been missing for quite a while. Um, that's what I'm expecting anyway. I, I, I'm not too sure. It, I might be completely wrong. It might be a fig leaf to the left of the party. I really don't know. But that's not the vibes I'm getting at no. this conference. No, I don't, I don't think anyone is seriously going to think that Starmer tomorrow is going to be like, yep, we're going to unite the party. We're going to have the whip back to Corbyn. We're going to offer you know, my 10 pledges again. You know, it, it's, it's not going to happen. But I don't think... In, he might go for like a sort of Neil Kinnock moment. We are in Brighton, 1985 is when, of course, Neil Kinnock did his famous speech in Brighton to sort of, you know, signal his intention to, you know, move away from the left. He might try it, but I don't think he has the sort of charisma to sort of like really hit through. He might like, you know, say a few words, but no. Mm. I just don't think it's going to be very inspiring. And I think people watching it, I don't think a lot of people will watch here tomorrow and go, I was going to vote Labour. And I definitely am. But I suppose we'll wait and see. What about you two? What do you think? Yeah, I think, unfortunately, I agree. However, <clears throat> I was surprised by Rachel Reeves' performance and what she had mm. to say. Mm-hmm. And if he can do something similar, I think I'll be very impressed. What I would say is, this is his first opportunity to address Labour in person and to address a, a whole of, a lot of Labour to win delegates, but also a lot of momentum delegates and a lot of people in between. And then also the pu- the public. Like, this is... Very rarely does the leader of the opposition get an opportunity to have an hour, I think you'll have up to that, mm-hmm. um, to address the nation where the BBC will just run it live. Mm-hmm. And that's, for an opposition leader in this day and age, very difficult to, to get. So I hope they understand the importance of the time that he's been given. And I'd also say, like, this would be... Like, the pressure must be on, because it's not just a conference speech, it's... It's going to be rolled up because we didn't have one last year. We've got to, it's going to be a call to action because we've got elections in a couple of months. And then, you know, we've spoken a lot at the minute about um, that there might be an early general election in 2023. So he might have this year, next year, and that's it. So this could be, you know, he might only have two uh, conference speeches in his premiership and one of them's tomorrow. So it's, you know, I kind of, I've seen him around, but I hope... And we, we always, I know on our podcast we always speak about this, like the pressure that he must be under I hope is a lot because he needs to deliver en masse tomorrow. And we'll find out if he can, I know, I definitely, I've seen him speak at conference before, he's done it before, so I know he, he can speak competently, but it's got to be a barnstormer and anything less I think will have a bad impact. But there might be, I think he might, I don't think he's going to ostracise the left I don't think it's going to be a Kinnock like we don't want you here anymore. No, I don't, I don't. I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be 
two fingers to the left. I don't think it will be that case at all. But and I, I hope he tries to invite people in and say we're moving forward together. But I also, but I also don't think it will be particularly welcoming. And I don't think he'll mention the previous administration. And I think he'll just. I don't. But I think it, it's like it's very much. And I and, and to be quite honest, if he just uh, begins reading from that fourteen thousand word essay, I'll just walk out. <laughs> like I'll happily go in here and speak, but if he goes off on one about that, um, I'm well, out because I can read it on the train over my own time. One thing that I will say is that when he came to our little regional event, the Yorkshire and Humber event, he was so much more dynamic mm-hmm. because I know that it was a very different setting and like everybody was stood around him and he could wander around and you know, look at everybody's faces and talk to them as if he's, like, talking to them in a, in a conversational sense. And I just hope that when he gets behind that lectern, he doesn't just, like, freeze up and go back into robot mode, which is what I've seen him do when he was doing the... Um, I mean, it was, it was difficult through the pandemic because he wasn't speaking to a live audience. It was just towards the camera. But I hope he doesn't go back into that kind of mindset of, I am just delivering a script I'm just delivering a message and I just need to get my words out correctly like it shouldn't be about that it should be about excitement and optimism and trying to you know infuse the membership or be sat in that room but also focus back at home more importantly yeah. for sure I, I mean even with the three of us so we've done this obviously sorry George but like, we, we've done this podcast predominantly via Zoom and we've been together this is our third episode of recording together We've had a better recording. I think the content has been better because we've all managed to look each other in the eye while, like, you know, yeah. sit around a table, have a couple of like a bit of a chit chat. It's not just a you know log on, you see the person, you do the thing, then you leave. Like we've hung out together, and I so I understand. So I have a lot of empathy for the fact that if you've just been on a screen speaking to people, and I also have a, a lot of empathy for you know somebody sitting in, like Keir sitting in a room and that all there is is a camera lens. And a little and a little red uh, button at the top. That's a little red light that's on, and you've got to deliver, and you've got to really put a lot of effort into that. And it's look at his legal career. Like that's not something that he's ever been trained to do, and that's not something he has any experience in. But I hope he's had enough opportunities at conference in his previous roles to come out and actually really turn it on. I also think the media, for sure, have started. Um, have kind of started rumblings of a of like you know an unofficial leadership contest and what's going to happen next and blah and I think he he must know about that that must be in the back mm-hmm. of his team's mind so putting that to rest I think is maybe number one on the list of things that he might have to do and of course you know it's a fantastic opportunity to address possibly five to ten million people so you know Keir no pressure <laughs> yeah. no well, pressure that is the excuse that Keir's been using when people have challenged him on his leadership is that he's not had an opportunity to go and speak to the country and to go and speak to people face to face and like what you said when he came to Scots night he was on very good form mm-hmm. it was like a completely different person from the maybe, one maybe we should just take the lectern away yeah. and force him to walk up and down because I genuinely think like in a more of a stand up routine in a more of a stand up routine kind of way genuinely fun- yeah, why not? I, I genuinely think he would deliver the speech better just by not being stood still or a little dramatic moment where he's standing behind the lectern and all of a sudden pulls out a mic and starts walking around it like genuinely just a bit of dynamism in the way that he holds himself in itself could make a difference so like the woman in black like the way the woman in black just pops up at different points have <laughs> <laughs> you ever been to see her she just pops up you can yeah, do yeah, that yeah yeah. So Cameron's speech, one of his early, early speeches in his career was this like infamous like no note speech. And it was <coughs> like, you have to speak for 45 minutes. And it was like, uh, it was like a little round table with David and there just were a couple of microphones there kind of thing. Um, but it was like sleeves rolled up, he had five or six points to make. And that was probably the most human of all the speeches that he had to do. And he didn't have, and he, he had a kind of a theatre in the round almost, and he could walk around, and he could dress people and look at people in the eye. And he did that, and I think 
Yeah, fair point. Like, why not? But there's no reason why that. Why you obviously, if you're a delegate and you got to speak, you need to have a. You need to have people sitting there, and it has to be. That's conference, and that's important, and there's a place for that. But with a leader speech like that, do you need the lectern if you know what you're going to say, and if you've got four or five points that you believe? Why do you, I always? I'm always really hesitant with people who read off, and this is people generally speaking in public, who just read off a set script. Because you should know, on overall, you should know what you're saying and you should know what... And obviously, of course, it's like funny, but, it, you know, you can you can have problems with you if you just go off the cuff. But you should he should know what he's going to say. You should know what the big points are. Obviously, attacking the Tories, producing something new, and the elections are coming up and here's how we're going to organise. Yeah. Do you need a lectern? Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I remember during the Corbyn years, Corbyn's best speeches were ones where, you know, he would just be at a rally and he would just be talking about what he believed in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rather than sort of behind a lexicon. Um, he was a lot better than giving the impromptu speech. But you say, like, um, you know, if he didn't have the lexicon, he was walking around a lot. Um, that could be more effective. Uh, Gordon Brown famously did that quite a lot. And then you would, like, always see the cameraman just... But if he's gonna, I was going to say, if he's going to take any advice from uh, former Labour leaders on how to do a speech, maybe he should have a, a big stone behind him with his 10,000 ish oh. words. Oh, you know what? I was actually so happy to meet Ed yesterday. Like, he's just such a great guy. Like, he's just amazing. The man has come into his own post. Oh, if only. If only now Ed Miliband was then Ed Miliband. He doesn't care now. He just wants, he just, we'll just tell people what he thinks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But like they tried, like he they tried to like button him up and make him into a Blairite person. He just wasn't able, like he wasn't able to do it. And now it's like, oh well, if we only had you three or four years ago, I think I don't suppose he's sort of lost. But it would have been a better, would have been a better campaign. It would have been a better premiership for him, I think. What was the policies? Because you know we we supported austerity in all departments except for three, and we didn't even propose nationalisation oh, yeah. of the railways. But six years later, you know that I look at this from a left wing perspective. I you know I don't think. The current direction of the party is very good. I think the marginalisation of left and socialists and trade unionists and young people and trans people and Muslims is not good. And Starmer, you know, I think there should be a challenge against Starmer. We'll probably talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But looking at how much the party's changed in the last six years, in terms of policy, it has shifted. And, like, there is no way Starmer can go right now, I'm not going to nationalise the railways. Mm-hmm. He's backtracked on many of his pledges. I think the railways under a Labour government would be nationalised. the energy companies. No. no, he said no. He said no to nationalising mm. the big six, which would be but bitterly disappointed. The thing is, is this this oil crisis, this fuel crisis, has ramped up since he said that. So I think if if evidence suggested that that was objectively the best thing to do, no matter what your feelings are about uh, nationalisation and state ownership, I think it, he would now. <laughs> I think think he would. Take but it's that not only it's not only an oil crisis; it's a delivery and it's a. Uh, it's a well, logistics. Yeah, it's, it's a logistics crisis. Uh-huh. Like it's it's multiple. As with a lot of things, it's not just down to one thing. It's multiple reasons combined. And but like. but you should have said it because in a crisis you need radical solutions. You've got to be bold. You know, you get more political during a crisis. And he could have said, "We're going to nationalise the big six energy companies," and it would have been quite big. Instead, the headlines are dominated by shadow cabinet member resigns, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Baker's Union disaffiliating, and all these things. I know when something political cuts through. Because my mum will ring me and talk about. <laughs> she, she's not interested in politics, but I know when something's cut through when my mum mentions it to yeah, me. Yeah. Because she she does not follow it at all. So, mm-hmm. and for her to call me this morning, being like, "Oh, the Labour Party conference seems a bit divisive, doesn't it?" I was like, 
Yes. <laughs> Try being here. <laughs> 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 That's a fair point. Speaking of radicalisation, we had a lovely chat with uh, Paul Mason this morning when he was talking about his book about, he's just released a book about fascism, where he speaks a little bit about what Starmer could do uh, in the next six to nine months to turn things around for him. Uh, some of the points you made are actually are actually similar. So if you haven't listened to that, Left Wingers, give it a listen. It's definitely... It's worth it. It's we have. I have to say, it was a robust discussion that we had with uh, we it had was, with Paul. If you if you want to have, do a bit of deep thinking and really reflect on not only politics but yourself and what your position is in society, yeah, it, made, it really made me think. Um, well worth listening. It is long. It is long. It's fifty minutes. But um, if you if, if you're on the train home tomorrow, off, yeah, yeah, and you need a bit of time and you want to pass the time by listening to something about how to stop fascism, how we can stop uh, the fascist age, then. Yeah. Something I've been quite encouraged by is the mention of, you know, support for trans rights in, in quite a few of the big speeches. Do you think he's going to mention it tomorrow or, or do you think he's going to continue to sit on the fence? I mean, no, of course he's not going to mention it tomorrow. There's, there's no, yeah, I, I think over the last 18 months we've really seen Starmer's true colours on these issues. He was the only Labour leadership candidate to not sign the Labour campaign for trans rights pledges. He participated on the Mumsnet forum, where there was blatant transphobia directed towards him, and his response was not to condemn it. And then the whole issue with Rosie Duffield as well. I'm so glad we have people like Emily Thornbury and uh, Annalise Dodds who actually spoke out about it and actually saying, you know, Labour is the party of equality, we are for trans rights and trans rights are human rights and trans men are men and trans women are women that's fantastic mm-hmm. but Keir Starmer has been awful on this and Rachel Reeves as well you know yes, that, those comments yesterday mm-hmm. suggesting the sort of you know undermining Labour's own 2010 Equality Act to exclude trans people it's just it is disgusting and I think there has been a moral failure from the leadership on that. I think that interview, I don't think she was well prepared for that interview because a lot, I sat and watched it yesterday. Is that, are you talking about the LBC one? Or mm-hmm. Are you talking about another one? Yeah. So the LBC one, she, she stumbled, I disagree with the content that she said, but she stumbled through it mm-hmm. and she's usually okay on media. So it kind of made me think what was going on that morning like, because if you're, you know, LBC very rarely, although a lot of journalists who I know of consistently try and engage with the shadow cabinet and get people to come on very rarely does a lay person go on lbc and usually if so they have to be quite well briefed because their listenership can very much vary from like a cameroonian conservative all the way to the right the right and beyond um and i i'm a bit confused as to why you know trans rights is such a key issue and it's such an issue dominating the headlines but if you if you remember the shadow cabinet and you go on a national radio station expect to be asked mm-hmm. and i don't that's not difficult to think about so she should have had i disagree with the content obviously but there's a lot of things a lot of things she stumbled over um on the whole not the best performance from her which i thought was quite strange because she's usually reliable in the past she's given solid consistent solid media performances i disagree with the content but i think the delivery was fine it was good enough i'd also say and I've got a theory on this that, you know, by the time this goes out, maybe tomorrow, we might know if I'm right. I have a theory throughout throughout this conference that Angela Rayner has basically bounced Keir into doing a bunch of things. So what I think she's doing, whether she knows it or not, is pushing the Overton window. Yeah. And she'll, like, try something. And then if the media get all, like, like sassy over it, she'll reject it and move on. But if they don't, Keir usually follows 
or the leadership kind of looks towards it. And I think when Annalise will never, you never know what's going on behind the scenes with these things. You know, we all know like tragic conference stories about speeches being cut and all that kind of stuff. She said that it was in the hall, went down really well. On the whole in the media, it went down really well. The um, the lay party membership was very happy with it. I, you know, I retweeted it. We all I saw it and we, it. we all saw yeah, it. And we're like, episode. But we all saw it and we thought it was quite good. Then Andrew said a similar thing a couple of hours later. And now I think two people in his shadow cabinet have already said it. So if he says it tomorrow, he can say, he can say, he knows that it'll go down well amongst the base. And then he can kind of say like, oh, well, they've already said it. So now I'm just, I'm just repeating what they said. And I've always thought that. No, no. I mean, like the, the thing is, I don't think Starmer cares. And no, I agree. Oh, I, I, don't no, think I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But I think strategically, in terms of what's in the content of that speech, I think that that might that be irrelevant to his opinion. I think that might be but something. That even if he does say it, words are words, sure. actions are no. much, yeah, much yeah, bigger. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. every single day that Rosie Duffield has a whip or no any no I disciplinary agree. action yeah. whatsoever, he can't be taken seriously on this. And you know, he's never addressed the facts about the Labour campaign of trans rights pledges, all the mums that stuff. He has just proactively alienated so many trans people and what he needs to do is meet with LGBT plus groups, uh, you know, trans yeah. rights groups to address this and come up with a plan to deal with transphobia and his lack of willingness to do that is, yeah. is, is shocking. So I don't think he will mention it tomorrow. Something else that's rocked the boat is, is Andy McDonald's resignation. Was it yesterday? The day before? Mm-hmm. I, I, days Time didn't exist. <laughs> For those of us in Brighton, the days seem to be rolling into one, but I think that's because we're not sleeping a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sometimes we're not sleeping at all. Just... <laughs> I forgot yesterday was Monday morning because like it's not a traditional Monday morning for me no, and no. I like it was like Monday afternoon I was like and a Monday night oh, you're not yeah. normally going out partying I mean yeah I mean I'm is... in bed at seven on Monday so as you both know no this is this is I think an interesting he's picked the time to go I have to say for Andy McDonald you know uh, and he <laughs> he's picked taking the issue. his chances yeah, and he picked the issues to go on. Um, and I think it's divided a lot of people. I know um, Ian Murray, I think, earlier had some choice words. And I think Angela followed those up with quite a, quite a lethal briefing to The Guardian. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on what happened? Should he have gone? Or is it just something that we're, we're going to have to deal with it moving forward? Well, I think he's obviously trying to make a scene. I think he's trying to make a point. But I, I actually worry that those left-wing voices are leaving the shadow cabinet because... If this is to be a shadow cabinet that turns into a cabinet government, then we want those left-wing voices to be in the room mm. and to give the alternative argument to make sure that, uh, I mean, obviously they're not doing a great job of this at the moment, to make sure that left-wing, the left-wing side of the party is being listened to and having their voice heard, even in a small way. Um, so I, I feel like it's, it's an interesting choice, not necessarily one that I agree with, not at this time. Well, Starmer said 18 months to develop, formulate policy decisions. And obviously, Andy McDonald has gone to the point where he's saying, I cannot work with Keir Starmer in his shadow cabinet anymore. And he mentions that in his resignation letter. Now, if he wanted to be disruptive, I'm sure he would have waited for Keir Starmer's speech. You know, that would have been a more powerful time to sort of go. But he left at a time because he was sort of pushed into a corner arguing against £15 minimum wage. And we've obviously got that big debate today and it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I do think it's quite rude of Ian Murray to say that Andy MacDonald, especially when he was one of the original Change UK, the independent group, rest in peace. Um, he was one of the only MPs to do it and then he bottled it at the 11th he hour. Yeah, he didn't, go to the, he, didn't go to, he didn't go to Change UK. 
But he was tempted to, but he did, he had several yeah. on the night the the, two, the second night before he went. He had some very yeah. uh, interesting meetings with several party members yeah. where a plan was very quickly made. Yeah, that was not so. He actually he flirted with it, but I don't think he was ever going to do it. Yeah. And his and I know I can tell you for a fact that a lot of his staffers were very happy. About but there is a there is a picture there is a picture of him there rehearsing they did a big rehearsal the change uk uh, mps and they were in a room and there was him on the lectern i don't know why that picture was around and it came out um after the, the deputy leadership contest which was very very strange somebody had it the whole time and they didn't use it against him which is very very surprising well i would say i mean just to move away from the man and talk about the politics sure. itself is that um is that the four of us and i think we're all young members here this is actually quite an interesting policy for us because all four of us, I think I'm saying, have worked minimum wage jobs. So I, I think my first, I think my first ever job, I think I made like under five pounds an hour. Mm-hmm. But it was eight, it was like, it was, it would have been way back like well, 2012, 2013. Like it was a different, a different time. The nature of uh, zero hour contracts and not having regular work and workers' rights enshrined as that in work in the past I have not made five pounds an hour at times yeah um, which is very it's a bizarre way of um, of the world working uh, but yeah that's that's been the case and um, I don't I don't know about 15 pound an hour I don't know I don't know the details of the policy I don't know whether it's in certain sectors or what I think it's across the board but across the board. my understanding at least anyways is it's not an incremental rise to 15. Uh, it's just yeah. oh, it's overnight. I can see why that Which would make people. For I understand is, why that would be. For me, is is far too quick and, and far too much of a jump. Like, of course, I want people to be paid yeah. as high as possible. Like, I want our economy to be built in such a way where we are a high wage economy. But I, I think so, sudden jumps, the markets do react. Fortunately, <laughs> we still we're still a very capitalistic, very reactive in terms of the economy country, and something like that I think would even if it. Even if it benefited people, there'd be a lot of economic shock as a result of that and a lot of uncertainty in terms of how businesses react. I which don't I'm not on the side of business. I don't necessarily I need care to add about a business, point. but that means jobs. I need to add a point. I think people, and there's something all four of us, I think, would definitely agree on. The minimum wage is one topic. Another topic is the age-based uh, wages yeah. that people mm-hmm. get under, uh, under 16, 16 to 18, uh, 18 to 21, and then 21 to 25, yeah. 25 plus. And it, it would be, I think if you had a, I, I don't know how well businesses would react to the 15 pounds and it might lead to job losses. It also might have some businesses saying it leads to job losses and that it doesn't actually lead to job losses because that can happen sometimes. But then if you just, if you have, if, if business says, or the government says, okay, yeah, 15 pounds an hour for 25 plus. Was that uh, <laughs> between, you could have 15 pounds for 25 plus but you'd still have six pounds an hour for eighteen to mm-hmm. sixteen to eighteen. Whoa. And what actually I think is more socialist and more fair is a ten pound, eleven pound, twelve pound, thirteen pound, whatever, from sixteen. So from the yeah. first job you get when you, when you get your national insurance number, it's a set. It's set for and it's ten or fifteen or whatever for life. Yeah. And I also think it's got a lot of reminiscence of uh, the Bernie Bro campaign, where they kind of, when they were very pro, like a set minimum wage that was seemed to be slightly impossible, but I think under Biden might actually end up happening. Yeah. Well, well, the last two manifestos committed to getting rid of that, um, you know, the sort of age gap, the wage mm. age wage gap, um, and hopefully that will yeah. be in our next manifesto too. But uh, fifteen pound. Minimum wage, I think, is vitally important. You know, the way to sort of deal with poverty, to deal with inequality, uh, and indeed stimulate businesses through, uh, you know, 
through growth is by giving people money and they all spend that money if you give more money to the people uh, you know you know the the, the bottom 50 percent more likely to spend that money there's 13 million people in the uk right now who have less than 100 pound in savings you've got to give them more money and that money will be spent but if you give of course i'm sure we all agree on this mm. if you give tax cuts to the rich you know that will just sit there and it won't be doing anything it will just be accumulating in their pocket but when you give it to workers that money will be spent and that will grow the economy mm. in the long term so i think 15 pound right now and indeed getting rid of the age wage well, cap one right. thing yes that i i i might have just missed it but i haven't heard very much about the benefit system and like whilst at mm. conference i don't think we've shouted enough about the universal credit cut mm-hmm. because yeah, actually that's that. that's obviously a big contributor to i hope Keir leads with that tomorrow yeah i do mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you should do um i really like to see us shouting about that tomorrow whilst we've got everybody watching because obviously that is going to be the the biggest uh, guarantor of more people becoming impoverished, not being able to pay their food uh, for the food, for their electricity, energy bills, when prices are rising, when energy mm. prices are rising. And there will and we be have, inflation. We have a, a level of inflation anyway. He's put, um, he's put himself in the position where he's saying he's going to oppose the £20 cut, but he's not committed to bring it back if it is cut. And that would be a big mistake. You know, yeah. you can't just like oppose it and then not bring it back. Like that £20 is so, so important and it's going to be so good in the long term. But again, when you raise the minimum wage, you know, there is less money spent on, you know, housing benefit, for example, and all these things. So you raise the wages of people and that really does, you know, sort of help a lot. But putting money in people's pockets is the goal. And I think sooner the better. And I really hope conference passes. I think that's something which you may commit to, you know, once it's been cut and once that's gone through. No, I, I think what you're saying is correct. We've not committed to that yet, but I think that's something which will come. But for the moment, we're, we're focused on opposing the cut as it is mm-hmm. um, and then leading into the next election. I'm, I'm assuming that that will be in our manifesto. Or maybe we'll scrap universal credit and look at a revised system altogether. Well, that's what he promised. Yeah. So, yeah. But do you not think, just go back to Andy McDonald, while I understand why people on the left have left, that have, have, have left the star of leadership, I don't necessarily think it was a wrong move but i just think if you if we all you know and word on the street here is and we very much have got the feeling throughout conference that this is actually an informal hustings for the next leadership contest which will be at some point in the next year year and a half whenever but it's very much on its way and coming mm-hmm. and my problem is is and you know it's different for everyone and people have to make their own decisions but having people who have being in the shadow cabinet you get name recognition and you get experience and now that the majority of left people have, of the lefties, left wing MPs, have left the cabinet, I think that puts the left in a weaker position for when, in, if they have to run again in 24, mm. 48 months. Come up with a strategy to sort of rally behind a candidate, develop a policy platform and, you know, shift the party again rather than, uh, but, you know. But who do, who do the left have at this point to challenge? Well, I think Dawn Butler could get 40 nominations because, you know, social campaign group is around... 30, yeah. 33 to 35, 36. But Graham Morris, when he stood for the, uh, uh, you know, the NEC as the PLP rep, he got 38 votes. And that's Graham Morris, who is like, you know, hardcore Corbynite. He, if he can get 38, then a few soft left MPs getting on board for maybe somebody like Dawn Butler, I think that could be easily the case. But they need to get 20% regardless, thanks to the rule changes. But the Labour right will be mobilising too. And uh, what do you think of the... 
the stuff about Wes Streeting potentially being well, the Labour rights candidate? I find it very interesting because I've been to a few events now <coughs> where there's been uh, shadow ministers, shadow cabinet ministers, you know, talking about policy, that is the main focus. But when it comes to um, paying compliments to other people in the party, there's, there's certain individuals who it centres on. Um, and Wes is definitely one of them. He's definitely somebody, somebody who all of the other shadow cabinet ministers and, um, and just shadow ministers have been complimenting an awful lot. And, you know, he's done some great work. And the policy that he's come up with, the, the, the ten pledges, it's great work. But mm. it's, it's unusually so complimentary. Wes Street, of course, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Friend yeah, of the show. We're his second favourite podcast. <laughs> he told us that himself. He told us that himself. What was his other one? What was uh, for the Many, which is uh, Ian Den. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll take that for now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. You know. I sh- yeah, she was, a, she was a, the first female Labour Home Secretary. Yeah. <laughs> what about yourself? What do you think of uh, Streeting for leader? He's not my first choice. Um, I, you know, my first choice would be Burnham or Lisa and Andy. Uh, obviously, we can't have Burnham, so. Um, would I, you not back an ass? For leader of the Labour Party. Yeah. See, this that. is the thing I would I would rather an ass in Scotland. Yeah. Like what you've got to remember, there's the majority of things that go on in Scotland are, you know, controlled by the Scottish yes. Parliament. So it's for me, it's, it's more important. It's more important yeah. for me to have a, a Scottish Labour government than it is a UK Labour government. Oh, I'd love both. But if you had to give me the choice of one or the other, I know what one I'm picking. Right, Fair enough. Right, um, I think it's about time that we ended this episode. Thank you so much, George, for coming and joining us. Um, it's nice having somebody even more <laughs> left wing than the rest of us on the podcast. <laughs> well, thank you, so um, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Really Capital Earl and Left Winges, the only episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's been really nice to finally meet Kathleen. It's been nice to it's meet Nice to everybody. see Brandon as, as well. <laughs> it's been an experience. Not out soon. Has to be yeah. sometime around Again. Christmas. We'll have to we'll have to go up to Yorkshire because Yorkshire is the midpoint of yeah, London and yeah, yeah. Scotland. So we're gonna have to go. We're gonna have to go take on Yorkshire, um, <laughs> big night out, and see, see what happens. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, Do you get internet there? A better internet than here. It's been shocking. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one thing. Yeah. I, I'm obviously holding out. Um, I'm holding, holding out hope to go to Liverpool in the future and see how I feel about both conferences. Mm. But the one thing that I'll say about Brighton, for all of its lovely... Well, it's raining now, actually. <laughs> I just glanced outside the window and it started raining. Um, for all of its lovely weather up until now and the, the sea and everything, the Wi-Fi, oh my god, It's shocking. It's shocking. Like, I've struggled to upload these episodes. Um, you should feel lucky that we've, uh, we've produced these because... To be honest, um, the first time that I tried uploading one of these episodes, I thought, this isn't happening. Like, our, our, our conference plans are out the window. Uh, but with a lot of patience, here we are. Yeah, I had to go a wee walk to get an Uber because there's, there's no internet. See, because we're near the pier and near the sea, mm-hmm. I think that's probably what's causing it. Yeah. I've got no data and I've got no <laughs> Wi-Fi. So, it's not been uh, ideal. Um, and you can send your thoughts and prayers directly to Ross on our DMs on our yeah, DM system yes. for this for this tragic time that he's going through, not find not being able to contact, not being able to WhatsApp all his friends with the speed that he has on Scottish internet. Should well, we... unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to keep in touch with us, you can do so on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also send us an email. Um, it's been really nice to record these episodes live in person I, I know that we've enjoyed it much more and, and I hope you have too um, hopefully at some point we'll get another opportunity to do it again um, so yeah, keep whinging and we'll, we'll see, see you soon, soon.